Have you given any thought to where you might be this morning if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ? After a Saturday night, I know based on my own personality, I can't imagine what I would be doing on a Sunday morning if I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wouldn't be good. I know that. What an amazing thing Christ has done for us, making it possible for us to have a relationship with God, sins forgiven, life changed, a whole new orientation, whole new goals, what matters in life, everything changed. So you sang hallelujah, I wonder if you can shout hallelujah. 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 Amen. Praise the Lord for what he's done for us. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. We are truly blessed people. We have so much to be thankful for. On this Thanksgiving weekend as we gather today and come to the Lord's table together and and thank you for our salvation. Father, I just pray that we in our hearts would lift up praise and thanksgiving all the time. We realize that that, uh, we are called to be thankful in all circumstances. This is the will of God for us. And we realize, Lord, that Too often we are selective in our praise and selective in our thanksgiving. And when things are going well, we are thankful. But when things are not the way we want them, we are not. And Father, we realize that we're in peril when we are not thankful. And so I pray today as we have a fresh encounter with your your word to us, that uh, we will take to heart the command of the Lord to be thankful in all things to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, for the Lord is truly good to us, and we love him and we thank him for all that he's done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, by my count, there are at least 10 festivals or holidays that we celebrate here in Canada. I could be wrong, but I think there's 10. Maybe some of you don't get to celebrate all 10, but I think there are 10. And of those 10, two are blatantly religious. We know that, Christmas and Easter. There are a number of others, though, that are not of grand spiritual significance. The ancient Jews had seven celebrations, and every one of them was, had a deep spiritual meaning, a deep religious meaning. But we have such things as Boxing Day. How deeply spiritual can you get? We have Victoria Day. I know a nice queen, but I don't know her. We have Civic Holiday. I don't even know what that is. Does anybody know what that is? I like it. It's another holiday. There you go. It's another holiday. So who cares if we know what it is? Civic holiday. We have Labor Day. I'm not sure that's named very well. It should be called No Labor Day, don't you think? It's it's named wrong. And then we come upon this Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving weekend. And um, it would appear that our world that doesn't know God very well has not caught on to the significance of Thanksgiving. If they had, they'd surely have renamed it by now. But this is a deeply, deeply spiritually significant weekend. In fact, I'm 
and you are indebted to our forefathers who set aside this because of all the possible human values and virtues. Perhaps thanksgiving is the most dynamic in terms of our spiritual well-being. I intend to show, that, show you that from the Word of God this morning. In fact, uh, we're going to talk about thanksgiving as we gather uh, at the table of our Lord this morning, as we sort of come together as a family. I- I'd like you to think about this as just sort of a table conversation that we're going to have. In our Canadian culture, we get to celebrate this great day called Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. And we need to talk about the power of thanksgiving for shaping a healthy life in Christian community. I'd like to look at the question this morning, why is Thanksgiving so vital, so central to the nature of passionate Christianity? Because it really is. I'd like to look at, I'd like to examine together with you why it is that the Lord has commanded us to allow grateful hearts to captivate us. Why has he done that? If you um, were to look at a selection of texts in the scripture, there are a number of commands that that we are, are commanded from the Lord to be thankful. For instance, Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Let us be thankful. That is the acceptable way to worship the Lord. In um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For many of us, we are pretty selective in our thanks, aren't we? But the Word of God tells us to be thankful in all circumstances. We're going to examine that in a few moments as to why the Lord would command us to be thankful in all circumstances and why it is His will for us. In Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, that's just a a quick um, summary of just a couple of verses in terms of command. Why is it so critical? Why is it that the Lord has, in fact, challenged us to be thankful to the Lord? How many of you are familiar with the name Francis Jane Crosby? Can I see hands? Lots of you. You probably know her better as Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby uh, wrote a number, many of the hymns that we have grown up with, To God Be the Glory, Blessed Assurance, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, and on and on. Fanny J. Crosby um, was born in 1820 and died in 1915, had a very long life, but what you might not know about her, I'm sure some of you do, is that she was blind, and uh, blind from early on after birth. And uh, Fanny J. Crosby was enabled by the Lord to write almost 9,000 hymns. Can you imagine? Nine, almost 9,000 hymns blind her whole life. And, and uh, from her autobiography, she writes this, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And listen to this, 
and I thank him for the dispensation. Can you imagine? The doctor that um, some suggest was responsible for the loss of her sight in infancy never forgave himself, although it might very well be that she had congenital blindness and, and that it was onset early in life and there was nothing anyone could do. But there was no room in her heart for resentment. In fact, here's what she wrote. If I could meet him now, the doctor, I would say, thank you, thank you, over and over again for making me blind. Now that's a level of thankfulness that perhaps very few of us will ever become acquainted with. Although that's the level of thankfulness that the Lord challenges us from his word to experience and live out. And there's reasons for that. The reason that she was able to write nine, almost 9,000 hymns is because of that attitude. Because of what she knew about God. Because of how much she trusted in God. Because of how much her confidence was in the Lord. So I want to show you this morning that if, if we allow the enemy to muffle our thanksgiving, and that's what he wants to do, if we allow the enemy to muffle our thanksgiving, it will take the edge off our total trust and dependency upon God, especially in the rough places of life. In fact, um, if we don't thank God, we will start to blame God and it won't be long until we resent God, and soon after that, we'll replace God. And the heart of thanksgiving is God's spiritual antidote to prevent those kinds of things from happening. I want to share with you a few keys this morning with respect to thanksgiving as an essential quality that has been given to us by God to develop our energy for Christian living. And I want you, um, I'm going to have the uh, text on the uh, screen this morning, but some of you like to look in your, in your own Bibles. And so the first that I want to look at this morning is found in Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 9. It's a key truth with respect to thanksgiving, and I want to zero in on Three verses, verse 6 through 8 in particular, but I want to point out a few things in that context. Now, what you need to know in this particular section is the context is affliction, okay? The Apostle Paul is writing to the people at Colossae, and, they, and he is writing from his own struggles, from his own hurt, from his own suffering, from his own afflictions, and he's writing to people who themselves are suffering, they're suffering normal life struggles and all of that. Um, is there anyone in here who's unacquainted with suffering or pain or struggle or challenge? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody in here who's never had any struggles or, or pain? Or Brother, did you, you've never had any struggle? Yeah, you were, yeah, okay. I was thinking you would be the one man in all of humanity. <laughs> in truth, there, there were no hands going up. We're acquainted with suffering and struggling and affliction. So how important then is thanksgiving for each of us? And so Paul writes them and he talks to them here. Notice what he says in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, 
continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Do you see that? See to it, he writes, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Make no mistake about it, the world itself, aided and abetted by the enemy of our souls, is building a different kind of human in a different kind of community with a different kind of value system. Our world is being developed on these things that are mentioned here, fine-sounding arguments, hollow and deceptive philosophies that seek to somehow be an answer to the problem of suffering and pain and struggle and life challenges. In fact, if we pay attention to what's going on around us, the world is seeking to to find a way to bring some sort of pain-free life or pain relief life. And somehow they're, 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 they're seeking to bring in every possible way the happy life by widening the boundaries of what's acceptable and accommodating all kinds of things so that it will develop our self-esteem, so that it will develop the man, your, your own personal self as the, as the object of worship and somehow it will anesthetize you from pain and suffering and struggle and all that goes on in life. And it's not working. The challenge from the word of God in the midst of affliction and suffering and challenges and pain in your life and all that goes on is to be full, overflowing with thankfulness. Why? Because God's plan for us, for building us, has nothing to do with happy. It has everything to do with holy and victorious. In in our situation, in in what God is seeking to do in our lives and allowing struggles and challenges and, and pain and all that comes with it, is to build us as people who are more dependent upon him. People who are rejoicing because in the midst of this, we know that our God will help us to be victorious, to be overcomers of the struggles and challenges of life. And he's the only one who can offer that to us. Christ himself hung on the cross to overcome death for us so that we might overcome ultimately with Christ. And so Paul urges those in affliction to not lose footing, to not look at hollow and deceptive philosophies, to not look at fine-sounding arguments that could, could seduce them away from God, but rather to be thankful for the situation they were in, full well knowing that God would enable them to overcome and have a victorious life and ultimately bring glory to him as we share with one another, Um, look what God has done for me. David in the Psalms is constantly writing 
about being in the valley or being harmed or being in trouble or being challenged and then saying at the end, but look at what the Lord has done for me and bringing praise and glory to God. God empowers us to be overcomers that bring glory to him. We love him not because he gives us pampered circumstances, but because he makes us victorious over horrendous circumstances. And no hollow and deceptive philosophies or fine-sounding arguments can rescue you from a horrendous situation. Only God can help you. This argument was settled a long time ago. It was Satan who presented himself to God, if you remember, in the book of Job. And he was convinced somehow that the reason that Job loved God, if you read Job chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, you'll find this. He was convinced that the reason that Job loved God, he says, is because you pamper him. You've built a hedge around his life. Of course he's going to love you. Everything's hunky-dory. But touch him. Take away that pampered hedge. And he'll curse you to your face. And then there's a whole book expressing the faithfulness of a true man of God who remained committed and thankful to God in every circumstance because he knew that the only solution to his horrendous circumstances was a loving and a living God who didn't pamper him, but who grew him into a man of faith so that when the winds of suffering and challenge blow, and they will, we live in a broken and a fallen world. He could remain thankful because God would give him a victorious life. And so he did. Paul says to them, why would you stop thanking the Lord and consider fine-sounding arguments and hollow and deceptive philosophies when in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Christ is completely sufficient for all we need to grow rich and in soul-growing knowledge and wisdom. There is nothing out there that is better than Christ. So in whatever circumstances we're in, we're called to be thankful because God will cause us to be victorious. When you stop being amazed and thankful for Jesus, you will start shopping for other solutions. Well, I want, to sh- I want to point out another of the great truths about thanksgiving from the scriptures, from Ephesians 5, 4. We're switching gears completely here. Paul writes to the Ephesians, said, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. We would have expected him to say, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all, but that's not what he says. 
He says, rather than speaking obscenity and foolish talk and coarse uh, joking toward one another, he says, be thankful. Thanksgiving keeps us from verbally abusing one another and in turn deconstructing the church. There's an interesting link here. Uh, The the antidote to our verbal one-upmanship with each other isn't different speech. It's a different attitude toward one another. It's an attitude of thanksgiving toward one another. The the challenge from the text here is rather than express off-colored innuendos and relentless verbal barbs and silly talk, which which is only going to deeply scar feelings and set up barriers and obstacles between each other, respond to each other with thankfulness. Much of our approach to each other in these matters of unguarded speech demonstrates sometimes that we have resentments in our hearts or displeasure with one another or somehow we dislike one another and we try to mask it and hide it in comedy. Paul said what's really wrong in your heart is you're not thankful for each other, the people of God. And so what he says to us is the antidote to that is to walk up to your brother or your sister and say, I Brett, I thank God for you. It changes the whole tone. It changes the whole next part of the conversation and deepens our relationship and love for one another. There's something very powerful about expressing to each other how thankful to God we are for each other. We pray for each other. We carry each other's burdens. We're the first people we run to when bad news comes because we know we have comfort. So why wouldn't we look at each other and say, Dwayne, man, I thank God for you. We are called to have thankful hearts toward one another. That builds strong community in the Lord. I notice in Colossians 4.2 that we are told there to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful. And we've heard that before. Remember when Jesus said um, to his disciples on the night of his betrayal, the night before his crucifixion, he said, watch and pray. Why did he tell them that? Watch and pray or what would happen? Anybody remember? You'll fall into temptation. Thank you, Deacon Harley. You'll fall into temptation. And Paul writes them and he says here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful or vigilant and thankful. Why the connection of thankfulness to watchfulness, vigilance in prayer? There's a definite link between these two. Obviously, he's made it here. Do we realize that Satan wants to derail derail our vigilance in terms of prayer by causing us to not be thankful? 
Thanksgiving is protection for your prayer life from being immobilized by evil attacks. Satan is seeking to bring trials to try and push you away from hope. Christ is allowing trials to come into your life to pull you toward himself. The connection here is that when something comes your way, when you are prayerful, you need to be vigilant and watchful. Satan is going to try to bring distractions into your life so that you won't be thankful. And if you're not thankful, you'll get sloppy in your life. You get sloppy in your prayer life, you'll become cynical. If you become cynical, you become silent. If you become silent, you will fall into temptation. There's a grave danger that you don't connect watchfulness and vigilance in prayer with thanksgiving, no matter what the circumstances are in your life. This is what's so amazing about Fanny Crosby. Listen to this from her autobiography. Crosby accepted her blindness as a gift from God with a special purpose. Here's what she said. I could not have written thousands of hymns, she said, if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. Think about it. What enabled her to write almost 9,000 songs? And by the way, she wrote, she wrote a thousand uh, other songs that were not religious songs. She wrote the first American cantata, uh, first American secular cantata. She was related to Bing Crosby distantly what enabled her she saw with thanksgiving that God removed distractions that would have prevented her from writing hymns to glorify him Satan loves to bring a whirlwind of fiery darts and distractions just at the time you're praying have you ever noticed it all kinds of worries and hassles and everything. You're supposed to be watchful and vigilant in prayer and you're thinking about all these crazy things. You can't even pray, right? It's at that moment that you need to be thankful to God. To thank Him that He's in charge. To thank Him that you can have hope. That He will bring solution and He has purpose for your life. If you remain thankful no matter what, neither Satan's fiery darts nor difficult trials will be able to turn you away from your passion for Christ. The enemy will exploit the least little sign of resentment or ingratitude so you will become sloppy and not alert and may fall into temptation. Thanksgiving presents you from being distracted by all the things around that are driving you crazy so that you can be watchful and vigilant in prayer. The guys behind me heard this illustration this morning, but maybe it'll help you to think about this need to connect watchfulness and thankfulness. You know, have you ever, if you own a house and you've got a backyard and you've got some gardens and all that kind of stuff, and, and it's a summer night, it's muggy, it's hot, the sun is setting, and you know you've got to go out there and water the garden. So you go out and start watering the garden. You're in your shorts, short t-shirt, the whole bit, and all, all of a sudden, you are attacked. Ida knows this. She hates this. This, this illustration is perfect for her. You're attacked by what? 
mosquitoes. They're just like all over. They're like, you, you're trying to hold the hose and water your garden and you're like, oh, you're totally distracted. And you're like, I don't care if my plants die. I'm going in the house. I can't stand these distractions. So now you're no longer vigilant and watchful over your garden. But if you had a mosquito suit on, <laughs> you, can, you can parade around in your garden Mosquitoes can't get you, black flies can't get you, the little plants are getting watered, they're all happy, everybody's happy because you got your mosquito suit on. You need to think of the attitude of thanksgiving as if it's a mosquito suit that will enable you to not have the distractions that prevent you from being watchful and vigilant in prayer. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you notice a connection there between thankfulness and a wise mind? Do you notice the connection there between thanklessness and futile thinking and a foolish heart that's darkened? Listen, thankfulness, thanksgiving prevents us from becoming proud and forgetting that there is a God in heaven, a Christ who gave his life for our ransom. There is this connection between thanklessness and futile thinking. If thanksgiving stops, worship stops, if worship stops, our thinking becomes futile and darkened and our lives are ruined and our community is destroyed. How important is thanksgiving in the community of God, in our world in general? In the absence of a settled and stubborn belief fueled by thanksgiving, you will alienate yourself from divine wisdom and ways. You will either thank God in your life or you will have a dark and destructive mind because you'll be given over to the alternative and Satan who blinds and darkens people to anything unhealthy. There's a final Thanksgiving that I want to point out this morning. It was um, in the context of the Last Supper. Jesus said this, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Isn't it interesting that in the context of a ceremony that the Lord Jesus Christ would give us for an enduring ceremony until he comes again, that he would make it in the context of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the, is the context the Lord chose to establish the enduring symbol of our unity and membership in the body of Christ. So that makes our attitude of thanksgiving this morning when we gather here at the Lord's table to commemorate what Christ has done for us, to remember what Christ has done for us, to have hearts that are overflowing with thanksgiving, to sing songs of praise and to remind each other of what the great, the great things that Christ has done for us. And by gathering at this table to remember to be thankful, especially on this Thanksgiving weekend the context of this Thanksgiving weekend. 
When we partake of the Lord's table together, we are thanking God for including us in this great family of God, membership in the family of God, our unity in the community of faith. That's what we're doing. Baptism is the symbol of our declaration as members and entrance as members into the church of Jesus Christ. Communion is a thanksgiving that God has placed us in that community. We have hearts that are united in faith. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, or 15, chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his, what did he call it? Indescribable gift. Christ Jesus. His surpassing grace to us. The fact that he has made peace with God for us. That we are placed in community and loved by God and loved by God's people. That our guilt has been lifted through forgiveness and pardon. That, that we are being changed by a God who moves into our lives and changes us, transforms us from the inside out. And at the end of our days, he gives us life forever in the age to come where there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more crying, no more death. We have so much to be thankful for. What a great choice you have made today to participate together in the power of thanksgiving, bringing a thankful heart, leaving with a thankful heart, living out a thankful heart. It is the attitude that God uses to energize our Christian living to be confident in Christ. Our Father and our God, this morning as we have had this great opportunity to just rehearse the amazing gift of thanksgiving, I pray, O oh God, that our hearts would be filled to overflowing. It's not only, not only does it bring a joyful disposition, but it truly does protect us from the slings and arrows of the enemy who would seek to offer us an alternative to you, O oh God, when we know that in Christ is all sufficiency, all the wisdom and knowledge of God, all the power over all authorities and power in Christ Jesus. And so, our Father, we thank you for inviting us to the table of the Lord where we can commemorate a remembrance of our thanks, the reason we are thankful. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. It is recorded this way. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. And then the disciples began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. It was in the context 
of great thanksgiving and the most significant event in all of history where Christ himself by pure grace gave himself for us and those around him betrayed him and quarreled among themselves instead of thanksgiving And Jesus, in a most marvelous show of grace, said this to them, I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Beloved, our Savior has done so much for us, and he invites us to enjoy all the power and presence of what Christ has offered to us in the context of constant and continual thanksgiving. So be thankful. Be thankful. Our Father, as we leave this place this morning, I pray that we will not go from here to betray you or to dispute among each other or to wonder which of us is the greatest. I pray, oh God, this morning we might leave with a holy sense of reverence and awe with thanksgiving for all that you've done for us. And may we truly, Lord, be thankful in all circumstances knowing this is the will of God for us. Not just for a joyful attitude, but for true protection for our very souls, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.